episode number 157 of the Speech Science Podcast is brought to you by Presence Learning. Marie, you've been in multiple areas of your field. Have you ever thought about going into teletherapy? I dabble a little bit in teletherapy and I really enjoy it. Well, if you are looking to get into teletherapy a little bit more and want to take control of your career and get your life in balance, check out Presence Learning Teletherapy. Yes, because teletherapy offers a powerful career choice to let you practice at the top of your license with flexibility in scheduling, to adjust your caseload up or down as needed, and the ability to serve a broad range of students or patients within a supportive community of professional colleagues. To learn more about the benefits of teletherapy and to join the largest community of teletherapists, visit PresenceLearning.com and read their new blog post, Five Reasons for a Teletherapy Career. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact the licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we belong. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 157. I'm Matt Hott, a speech and language pathologist working in a middle school and in home health care with adults. Joined, as always, by our pediatric SLP in the great state of Texas and home of Smokey and the Bandit, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Hi, Michelle. And down in the Floridian state home of Flowrider, it's our PTSD SLP, Rachel Archambault. Hi, I don't know how to respond to that. And from the home of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in Wisconsin, it is Marie Severson, our adult medical expert SLP. Hello, Marie. Hey, yo. See, I got a new intro for everybody. Our uh, Philly steak eating executive functioning expert, Michael McLeod, is not here this week. Philly so. steak eating. <laughs> Philly steak eating. On today's episode, we're going to jump into some CMS changes for the nursing home. We're going to look at hearing awareness and brain injury awareness day, as well as a new study for about PDPM. And before we do all that, we want to check in with everyone at the round table. So I will start from left to right. Marie, you are first. How has your week been? So my week has been great, actually. So a friend convinced me to try hot yoga and I know I'm very behind on this trend, but uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So I bought a month limited pass and I have to get my money's worth. So I've been going this week and it's actually already making me feel better. I don't know. We have gotten a few days of sunshine, so it could be that too, but yoga just, it's great. Maria, I have mm. a very important question for you. 
Yeah. How was the musical Hairspray? Oh my gosh. It was so good. The musical is, I forgot that all the songs are good. And it was, it was just totally enjoyable. I was singing along to all of them. Great cast, incredible vocalists. Um, yeah, it was great. And actually, in fact, in my area this weekend, UW-Madison is putting on Sweeney Todd. So I might go to that one. That's great. We took my son last week. I'm kind of jumping in. Sorry, Matt. Um, But we took my son to a local theater performance of The Lion King. And he hadn't seen The Lion King yet. So we had to kind of prep the week before. We kept playing the music and showing him little clips so that he could have an idea um, of what it was. And so he loves the music now and had such a ball. I was I was pretty impressed for a children's theater, um, what they did with the costuming and everything. For, I've only ever seen that Lion down King. in Walt Disney World, Michelle. Hey, I have a friend who was in that show in Disney World. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a good show. Cool. Rachel, let's check in with you. How has your week been? My week has been okay, but today was a great day because I got tickets to my favorite band ever. They added new dates yesterday. I signed up for the pre-sale, got them today before they sold out in 20 minutes. I am a very happy camper. By the way, the name of the band is Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> I know so that good. was going to be the next question, so I'm glad Big you fan, big fan. When is I... your concert? It's October 25th, so it's far away, but I have something so good to look forward to. I cannot wait. I'm It'll all be about getting things on the calendar to look forward to, so that's that's the way to do it. Definitely. I like Greta Fan Fleet when I saw them on TikTok, and then I found them on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and y'all were laughing because... I love Led Zeppelin. So to me, they're like the modern day Led Zeppelin. And I'm okay with that. And then Marie, you said you listen to Led Zeppelin or something. Oh, I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good stuff. But I think that's uh, Rachel. We're just jealous. That's one of the reasons why the band gets so much flack is because they say, oh, they're just a copycat of Led Zeppelin, which I don't think you can have a copycat of Led Zeppelin. Um, also, but 50 it, years later, feels yes. a little late. Well, to and be fair, Led Zeppelin's been accused of copying other artists as well. So True. <laughs> Good point. Good Isn't that point, the but... thing about art, though? Yeah, art it's all derivative. They're all, yeah, it's all built on others. Derivative, exactly, Mary. <laughs> Michelle, how's your week been? I, well, The Lion King, of course, but uh, with my True. son, which was super fun because we have two kids and we got a sitter for the youngest, the one-year-old, and just took my three-year-old. And I think that was really good for him to have some mom and dad time. Went to the show. He has never been to, especially with COVID, never been to a theater of any kind. So this was, this was just a very exciting thing. I think he was very confused for the first probably 10 to 15 minutes, but now he'll run around the house and tell me he's pretending he's a tiger with paint on his face or something because it's what the costumes kind of looked like. That's so sweet. You're doing a good job there, Michelle. Way to get them into live theater. Yes, I love it. If it, We're, we're going to make them all uh, cultured, I guess. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I hope you I like this. Pretty... Oh, sorry. So I was going to say, I hope you like the songs because you'll probably be hearing them for the next month or so. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we're good with it. He keeps requesting the um, Alexa to play it. Oh. <laughs> 
My week has been relatively boring. I got invited to one of my patients' 100th birthday parties. So, How is that boring? Well, I shouldn't say boring. It's like, un because I only could stay for Not a few minutes. Not everyone gets that or even gets to I attend know. one. But I got cupcakes to bring home to the kids. So that was pretty awesome and got pictures with the family. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, other than that, just coaching. And I'm applying to the ASHA leadership program. All right. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Good for you. Which I think I just messed up the title of it, too. I think it's the ASHA leadership development program or something like that. That's something right. I believe. Like that. That's the one that so. you, you get paired with a mentee. Is it? Is that That's that the one? step program, Rachel. Oh, okay. So which one is the one that you're talking about, Matt? It's the, oh, it is called the Action Leadership Development Program. Uh, it ended, applications ended, I believe, on March 2nd. So I think today or March 3rd is the last day to do it. Uh, but basically it was, it's a year long program for ASHA members uh, and encourages you to develop leadership schools and give back to the profession through volunteering. Cool. That's a great idea. They're lucky to, ha well, I'm, I'm sure you'll get accepted, Matt. They're lucky to have you. There's only 30 people that get accepted. So oh, wow. I will, yeah, I don't, I don't guess that I'm going to get in, but it starts with one day on campus and then 11 webinars throughout the year. Oh, Wow. On so campus, to, like, where? At ASHA? Oh, at at okay. ASHA in okay. Maryland. Very cool. So, fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. Anyone from ASHA is listening. <laughs> Put the plug in for Matt. Put the plug in. Well, it felt so weird because it was like, have you ever done anything? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did this. And then I was like, I don't think that's what they meant. But, oh, well, we'll just put that in there anyway. Womp, that's womp. how you read it. It's communication, it. right? Uh, we want to hear from you. How was your week? Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And while you're on the website, Michelle, I have finally put up your brand new bio that you put up. Marie and Rachel, are you guys going to add any more photos? Because I need to add a new photo of myself up there because I don't like the Facebook image I stole of myself. Well, I'm, Mike said he doesn't like the one you took of him either. So. Yes. yes. Mike wants to change his picture. I'm going to add it so it's a few paragraphs and not just three sentences. Um, so <laughs> I will do that soon. I had you a did friend not call me out on it, though, where she said, hey, on your new website, it links to nothing. It's probably just a little error. <laughs> and I said, oh, or I didn't submit my <laughs> bio yeah. yet. That, that was it. There was no bio when Michelle put hers up so it was just an image but that's okay but we want to hear from you go to our website and email speed science podcast uh, at gmail.com i almost forgot about that hey so we have a shout out and i want to give a huge shout out to a university of cincinnati grad nikki ramsey she was on shark tank this past week uh, for her eco-friendly reusable breast milk storage bags she didn't get a deal but uh, she demonstrated her company and uh, she was up there. So that kind of goes along with the episode a few weeks ago with Mei Ling Chan, where uh, doing your side hustle. Gotta love mm -hmm. it as an SLP. I want to look this up now. Hey, now, did you guys know on Shark Tank that even if they don't get a deal, Shark Tank gets 10% of your future profits? No. I had no idea. Yet. Yes. No way. Oh, Shark Tank itself does. Wow. What, which is executively produced and owned by the sharks. Wow. So even if they don't get a deal and you go on there and you get your free commercial airtime, they get 10% of your, your, your business. 
There That's very shark-like behavior. That's <laughs> very shark-like behavior. So if you have anybody that you want to represent and give a shout out to, use the hashtag SS pod either in the discord on twitter or email us on the flip side if you want to bring something to our discussion uh or, or our attention for discussion use ss pod due process and rachel i believe you've got a due process this week i think so um so the question is um in my district we were given a topic about something called angel sense. And I don't know if any of you have heard of this before. It's a child GPS tracker and an app for parents designed to keep students safe. Um, I've heard of angel sense. Is this the one that um, is, is a device that the kids can't take off? I don't know if it's not able for them to take off. It seems like it can be hooked to their backpack or on a watch. Okay. I don't know in what sense it's attached to someone. Um, but the question was for our district, whether it's possible to have a listening device in the classroom. And this kind of is related to what we talked about the cameras in the classroom, but this is specifically, I guess, AngelSense is not only a GPS tracker, but it allows either one-way or two-way conversations with between the parent and the student. So have you heard of this um, GPS tracker with communication abilities? Um, is this something that you would send your kids to school with, or what do you think about this? Yes and yes. Really? So we have a gizmo watch for my son mm -hmm. and a gizmo watch is almost the same idea, but it's through Verizon. And if I call him and he does not answer within the first 60 seconds, it open or the first 30 seconds, I'm sorry. It opens up an automatic, uh, it answers the phone call so I can hear what's happening on oh. his side and I only get 60 seconds, but if he is in the middle of the classroom, I could call and then I could listen in into what his teacher uh, is saying. And it's also real time GP GPS and uh, it works kind of like an Apple watch, except yeah, if he doesn't answer it, or even if he hits decline, it automatically picks up for 60 seconds. And that is connected to cellular service through Verizon, Correct. right? So Correct. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, what's the difference between a kid having a phone? They can't say, oh, no phones allowed. I know some schools have phones must be off in their bags, but realistically, a lot of them are not checking if their phones are off or on. Um mm -hmm people can record whatever, but it was just interesting that I had not heard of this angel sense GPS tracker before. Um, I, I think that that's helpful. Um, I guess it's been marketed towards ESE students, specifically students that tend to elope. So I think that makes great sense for students that you, you know, might run away. Um, you can find them hopefully very easily. Um, but I, I find this so new information. I I wasn't aware. I've heard of AngelSense specifically with um, families I worked with, with teenage teenagers with autism or other diagnoses who are flight risk. Um, but I did not know that it had the audio capabilities too. I knew it was a tracking piece um, that they could clip on or wear. And then I also have had patients, um, kids that I've worked with who have devices like a they wear it all the time that the parents can take it off with a key, but it was one kids that are a severe flight risk and don't have the communication um, to, you know, to ask for help or to even show that they need help. And some of these were teenagers who look like men, grown men. Right. 
Um, and they, they shower with it, they swim with it and everything. If I'm being honest, this looks just like a life alert, mm-hmm. like the elderly have. It's got the button yeah. in the middle. You can wear You're it as right. a watch. Yep. It actually might be better than a life alert because the life alert doesn't allow two-way communication. So maybe mm-hmm. life alert should get get on the ball. Well, Angel Sense I know is used with elderly as well. Really? Oh, yeah. I see elderly right here. Well, this is actually fantastic because I usually just recommend life alert sort of like just brand name loyalty or mm-hmm. but this is fantastic so so is the is it a debate in your district because I'm sure that is something that comes up because it comes up with cell phones in different districts but whether kids can have these in the classroom Rachel so I think the debate was brought up a few years ago but I think these are now resurfacing because this this guidance this memorandum we had was from October 2019 and that was you know shortly before the pandemic and I think now that students mm-hmm. are back in the classrooms people or teachers are seeing them and they're like what is this angel sense thing and they're asking the legalities of it, which I'm glad that people are doing. Um, at the bottom of the memorandum, there is um, an agreement, listen in and or voice functions, deactivation agreement regarding AngelSense device, um, basically allowing it, um, how long the agreement is for. Um, and it, it's, it, it's really interesting. I, I don't know. Um, I think the hard part is, is anytime you introduce something that can be picked up automatically and record what is happening in the classroom without the teacher or without other students knowing, you run into the risk of something being heard or recorded out of context. And I think that's where a lot of the questions come from, especially when we were talking about, you know, video in the class or video in the therapy room. It's good to be transparent because you want to be able to say, hey, I'm doing good therapy. I'm doing effective therapy. I'm doing safe therapy. And here's the proof to it. But I think the problem with something like this is that I know that I've called my son on his watch and he didn't pick up. And when it picks up, all I hear is screaming in the background. So as a parent, your That's, immediate ugh. response is, oh, my gosh, something is going wrong. And then you hear the rest of the story. And it's like, oh, no, they were screaming because they were playing Nerf tag and they were running in the woods or whatever goofy story that my kid was doing. I think that's where you could run into the classroom where if a teacher is, you know, talking about vocabulary or reading a passage from a book that has language that you may not be 100% okay with a teacher using, you hear it out of context, or you hear a teacher or a therapist be sarcastic with a student, but you miss what led up to that, and you miss the teaching of the sarcasm afterwards, but all you hear is, I don't have time for you. Shut up. Like all of a sudden that creates a bigger legality issue. So this memorandum was given by, I guess, the legal counsel of my district. And it said that the previous legal opinion was that recording devices should not be allowed in any capacity. And I think this opened it up saying that eh, this really isn't a recording device. This is a communication between one and the other. And it's a GPS tracker. So in the end, it, it was allowed. Um, hmm. 
So I think that that is what this is saying. Um, because, and I don't know if it actually records. Like, does your son's record anything or it's just like a phone call that it would just open it's up? It's just like a phone call. Okay. I mean, I could record it on my side, but that's about right. it. Okay. So I don't think that this is truly recording. Like, unless the parent was recording it themselves, I don't think it would be recorded. And I think that's where this was able to be, you know, approved in the end. Yeah, I can imagine as technology continues to advance, these types of things will come up more and more frequently. And at some point, there might be legislative precedent for it. But some of this stuff is just so new. Agreed. If you have a due process, head over to our website or email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com and hashtag it, SSPod, due process. All right, y'all. I sometimes love and sometimes hate these awareness days, but this month I kind of like them. Uh, March 3rd was, if I heard it correctly, it was World Hearing Day. Is that correct? World Hearing Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, what was that? And... <laughs> <laughs> so wow. clever. What I'm a small for that too. <laughs> well, isn't it also Cochlear Implant Month as well? I'm not certain, but I wouldn't be surprised if those line up. I will look that up as I also continue to talk and say is also Brain Injury Awareness Day on Capitol Hill is March 16th. And it's Y'all, Brain Injury Month, right? Marie? It is. The go. whole oh, month. Is it the whole month as well? Oh. I, I love this because this brings in some much needed attention to our field. And then also, uh, it ASHA is launching the free hearing test app. Uh, for hearing day this was back in 2019 but you can still use it and marie i think you said you used it how's your hearing not great matt unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) i have some thoughts i have some thoughts so So it's not asha offering the app it's the world health organization yes which explains why the voice is british Um, so the way it works is it's very easy to download um i used a bluetooth headset they say you should use a wired headset the what happens is they play white noise and then it's like a speech discrimination task so they'll tell you three numbers as you listen i found it extremely difficult to distinguish the speech with the white noise my score was 70 they said my hearing is okay okay you might have central auditory processing yeah i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) i'm a little bit concerned i'm trying not to read into it But what I like about it is that you can retest yourself multiple times. So I could try a different, I could try a different day or I could try, um, I could try different headphones, more wired headsets if I wanted. So does it give you like, does it give you the speech banana or does it give you the decibels or what does, what are the results? What does it give you? 70. I'm assuming out of a hundred and a hundred is probably the best. So um, there are frequently asked questions on the app, and they're pretty general. I think the idea is is that you could screen yourself in between audiology appointments. Okay. Plot okay. twist, yeah. it's so- actually the age, your hearing age, 70 years old. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> so a few years ago, we got- Or if it's a got- percentile rank, who knows? <laughs> right. I'll a take that. A few years ago, I had to test a couple high-def audio plugs that we were testing on the podcast- and I uh, called my buddy who's an audiologist up at Ohio State and we went to test them. And then we officially found out that I've got a mild to moderate hearing loss in my right ear, 
which made testing earplugs a lot more difficult because I was like, man, I think this left one isn't working as good. And my buddy's like, that's that's because you're partially deaf in your right ear, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Leave it to your audiology friend to help you oh, with that. Yeah, he's also my son's godfather, so it Aww. works out. <laughs> but yeah, no, so Brain Injury Awareness Day, March 16th. Brain Injury Awareness Month is uh, March. We had hearing, uh, what is it? Hearing Day? Is that right? World, World, hearing, World day. hearing Day. March 3rd. And then Cochlear Implant Day was February 25th. So it was last week or uh, two weeks ago. So Well, and speaking of concerts upcoming for Rachel, um, I know we also had a short story from Ash's webpage about the new recommendations for events, outdoor events and indoor events too, I believe, concerts. It just said limiting sound levels to 100 dBL. So not sure if Greta is going to keep it at that level. So I'll bring some earplugs um, just in case. Yeah, so it says who the World Health Organization unveils new global standard for safe listening at entertainment venues and events. So I'm curious if by October at your concert, if any of these Mm. components will actually be implemented. But the standards they've given out include these six things. What Rachel said, limiting sound levels to 100 decibels, two, monitoring sound levels with appropriately calibrated equipment and trained personnel, three, optimizing venue acoustics and sound systems, four, making personal hearing protection available. I'm curious about that. Five, offering access to quiet zones, and six, providing training information to staff and audience members. Wow. And I mean, I don't know if about you all, but I have been to concerts before where, because I know every band does their own sound, right? Mm-hmm. At concerts. So the opener, it was awful. We actually, it was so painfully loud at this small venue that we walked out for a while um, and then came back in and it was much better with the main, the main okay. performer, the headliner. Um, but I'm curious how this will be implemented or... Is it just a suggestion? My guess is it probably is. I mean, this to me sounds like the bare minimum that you could do in terms mm-hmm. of awareness, but I love the idea that getting the awareness out there, obviously that's important. I know that a lot of people don't value their hearing in the time at the times when they could do something about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that if more people had access to um, hearing protection during a concert, they might use it. I think mm-hmm. that's major in it to have the sound protection available. And I know I love seeing at the sporting events that you see these little tiny babies with the big headsets on. Like that makes me so happy because it can get so loud in there. And I know I'm mm-hmm. very sensitive to noise. Um, not just like sensory wise that like, I feel like my eardrums are bleeding sometimes. So. And I'm I know glad. more and more venues are providing it for children under a certain age. That's great. I cannot promote high def earplugs though. Like I took them up with me when I went to the NASCAR events and what they are is they're just like regular earplugs, but they have like a little plastic bar Mm -hmm. in between and it is like legit. It lowers the sound, but you can hear the person talking to you right next to you. And we played it with music and you can hear the music just clear. It's just lower. So it doesn't like muffle it like the felt ones do, but they're not as protective as the felt ones. So 
I, I think that's the goal of a lot of them. Like I, I actually bought, um, I, I've never used them. I bought them when I started going to like a high intensity gym down the street because I, uh, the, they crank the music up in there, you know, like you're supposed to feel the music in these group classes, but I would be in pain like with my ears. So I bought them and then I kind of forgot about it. So I'm going to try those because you can, you're still supposed to be able to hear what's going on. It just reduces the the pain i guess mm-hmm. i have ones that i had made um for me it was when i <laughs> uh, when i worked at a school for the deaf and the blind specifically for um the deaf dances <laughs> um that i would wear my uh my earplugs because they wanted to feel the music oh yeah, i can imagine that, that would be pretty loud yeah right. mm-hmm. head over to our website speech science podcast dot com weigh in on that one hey let's go right into this uh asha response article among the pdpm study and this is coming out where it said a pdm a pdpm if you're not familiar it was patient driven oh, what did the pm stand for patient driven payment model that's right payment model and Basically, it really changed the way that we do a lot of things in home healthcare. It changed the way that we do therapy scheduling in SNFs and assisted living facilities. And the backers of the PDPM have said, hey, guess what? There is the same outcomes with lower therapy minutes. And they said uh, a skilled nursing patient received about 13% fewer therapy minutes, but had the same outcome but asha saying hey this ain't right correct yeah that's right and specifically because the jama study counted patients who were in the sniff for a hip fracture which is much less likely to encounter a speech therapist so the implications for speech therapy i think are still up in the air you can't necessarily correlate that with this with the results of this article i have run into nothing directly related to pdpm but a lot of like tertiary decisions because of PDPM where it's like, Hey, let's prioritize care for this patient due to the funding, not due to what the patient needs. Now you could also justify it and say, well, does this patient really need all three people coming out to the house six days a week? should they have a rest day in between, but PDPM, man, it is, it is not good for our field as a therapy side. And I don't think it's good for, for patient side either. Mm. Yeah. And I think in response to that, we have another article that talks about what the Biden administration plans to do to try to counteract some of the problems that are happening systematically in skilled nursing facilities. Yeah. And we will do that after the break. That is a great way to segue into the break. Coming up, we will talk about that. We'll also check in with the informed SLP. You're listening to Speed Science. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. 
The Writing's on the Wall. This is a review of a study entitled Disparate Oral and Written Language Abilities in Adolescents with Cochlear Implants, Evidence from Narrative Samples. This is from the Journal of Language, Speech, and Hearing Services in Schools. For our DHH students who have similar oral language skills to their hearing peers, but are struggling academically, written language deficits may be one of the culprits. There is plenty of evidence that capital D deaf and hard of hearing, DHH, kids whose families choose early implanted cochlear implants, CIs, can acquire oral language skills. Despite that, we still see these kids struggle academically, especially through middle and high school. Breland, Lowenstein, and Nitrauer suggest that this might be at least partially due to writing skills. We have seen some data for preschoolers, but writing skills haven't been studied as much in adolescents. As children get older, their writing is expected to become more complex and they should begin displaying their own, quote, writing voice. Writing is more formal than oral language. We tend to see more elaborate noun and verb phrases, longer sentences, and more use of adverbs, conjunctions, and pronouns. This study looked at how these measures compared between oral and written narrative language samples from rising ninth graders with cochlear implants and from hearing peers. The results were interesting. Despite having oral language skills similar to hearing peers, the written language of kids with cochlear implants was less complex. For these clients, SLPs should focus on teaching how to combine sentences and organize writing using storyboarding activities. Importantly, standardized tests of general language skills don't pick up these differences in written language. This means that if your kids with cochlear implants have decent oral language skills, they may have written language needs that aren't being identified. It's important to explicitly evaluate written language samples as part of your assessment protocol for your deaf and hard of hearing adolescents. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. We'll check in with the changes CMS is proposing for nursing homes in just a moment, but this episode of Speech Science is brought to you by Presence Learning. Michelle, one of the biggest questions that people have when they look at teletherapy is what kind of benefits are there for a teletherapist working at home by themselves? They're afraid that they're gonna lose out on the camaraderie and the ability to collaborate with another SLP. I think in teletherapy, it's just going to look different. You can definitely still gain a network of peers for support and collaboration, especially if you're using a platform like what Presence Learning is offering. You get to decide how much you work and when. You protect yourself and your family during uncertain times when so many people are moved remote, and you can take back that commuting time and that drive time. So I think there's just different ways you can connect with other therapists. To learn more and apply, go to PresenceLearning.com, then click on the Apply button at the top of the page. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 157. I'm Matt Hutt, joined by Michelle Wintering. Hi. Rachel Archambo. Hello. Marie Severson. Hey there. And the absent Michael McLeod. All right, y'all, non-therapy related question. What show 
are you obsessed with binge watching re-watching stuck on what show are you watching the marvelous I... mrs Maisel. Mm, Ooh, are you so really good. do you like yes, it yes i love it it's really? one of my favorites okay, okay. Mm-hmm. so it's, it's an excellent it, show it's interesting because i i am a jewish person and i feel like there are such deep jewish uh like jokes in there. And I'm always unsure to recommend them to other people that I'm like, are they going to find this funny? I think there's general funny things about it, but it's a, uh, I don't know, hidden humor that's there. But um, I, I don't know, but I'm glad to hear that other people appreciate it because I think it's one of the best shows on TV. I I have friends who are Jewish who I've recommended it to actually as well. <laughs> and they loved it. And they've pointed out some jokes that I've missed mm-hmm. as well. So I do think it's one that I'm sure there's Easter eggs that I'm missing. Easter um, eggs. Like, yeah, like little things are fine. I'm making it Easter. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I had to throw that in there. Yes. But, um, but I do think, I, I honestly think kind of like my big fat Greek wedding mm-hmm. um, appealed to a lot of different kind of yes. niche communities. Um, I think there's pieces of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel that not just Jewish people, but any sort of that close knit, um, devout in a religious way, um, with a history of tradition and, um, you know, days they celebrate and certain things that happen. So, um, would appreciate a lot. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's so successful is it, it caters to everyone. Mm -hmm. So So I've enjoyed it. What are you watching? Okay, so I haven't watched anything in 24 days because I have consistently read these fairy books, the, oh, <laughs> the ones yeah, that I talked about. Still doing that. Well, okay. okay, so I finished it on the 29th. Um, it was like 2,700 pages between the five books. Um, I read it all during the month of February, and now I need to, I'm making myself take a break because she has more books. This was just the end of that series, but I need to stop hyper fixating on that and then watch a TV show and then maybe go back to it. I just need a break. Can I give you some advice that I give to my uh, dementia and stroke patients? (laughs) Okay. Our brain thrives on diversity. And if you feed it only the same type of information, your brain does not grow. Go read a different book. (laughs) Okay. I will. Marie, what do you do? I guess we'll open it up to reading or watching. What are you binging right now? Well, I have no problem watching a variety of different television shows at the same time. I think I'm a TV file, whatever the the audio file equivalent is for watching TV. My husband and I love to watch shows together. We just finished re-watching Lost, the entire series. We made it through. It was real tough at the end. It gets really weird um, and drags along, but we did it. Huge accomplishment. And now I am on to the final season of Search Party, which is really good. It's on HBO Max. See, my wife can rewatch a show. I cannot rewatch a show. Like once it's I am done with specific shows, I can rewatch. See, I I can Same. rewatch like episodes, like if they're on, but I will not sit down to binge watch, even for some of my favorite shows. Like if I've already watched it. I'm weird. I'm mostly like that. I'm mostly like that, that it it seems like a waste of time to me when there's so much other content out there that I don't prefer it. But my comfort show is Parks and Rec. And before they took that off Netflix, um, that's what I would choose. Um, 
And I know some people do that with The Office and just these classic mm-hmm. shows that provide them comfort of they know what's coming in these episodes, even though they're super cringy. And even um, Schitt's Creek was another one that I was able to go back and watch. I really like that one. But uh, I'm the same way that I typically don't go back and watch because there's so much else out there. We like also I'm- like watching The Masked Singer right now. Yeah, so, uh, for a light, right now. just fun one. Does That's anyone detached from reality <laughs> because Does... of the costumes? <laughs> yes. Does anyone watch Abbott Abbott Elementary? That's on my I list. Need to. It's on my list, and I think that is what I'm going to put on next. I've heard such great things, and I really do like watching teacher related shows after working in the schools because I think it's just the hidden humor there that I think you can only appreciate sometimes when you work in the right? schools. Quinta. Yeah. Brunson, I think she, I, I can't remember. She, she's directing it or she wrote it. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. She did a black lady sketch show. She's hilarious. Yes. And then I, she was on, she was at BuzzFeed for a while. She's really, really funny. So I know it's going to be a gem. The shows I'm watching are Picard and Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Love so, that. That's on my list. I haven't watched it yet. A karate kid and a Star Trek TV show. I don't think I could fit the nerd persona anymore you're stuck in the 80s love that for you Seven, I am. Well, Star Trek was love 90s. that journey for you makes me think of <laughs> Shit's Creek Shit's Creek yep I need to watch Shit's Creek too yes you do uh, on a less exciting note I guess maybe uh this is coming from McKnight long-term care news uh, it says CMS wallops nursing homes with planned staffing requirements and increased penalties And for anyone that has ever stepped foot in a nursing home, has driven by a nursing home, or has seen a nursing home on television, you know that they are understaffed. And it is not the staff's fault. It is almost always dollars to donuts. It is the fault of the owner or the ownership group. And I could not love this idea anymore, to be truthful. As different as the medical settings are, it's always a staffing issue. I mean, everywhere mm-hmm. I've, I've ever been. And specifically, I work in a lot of assisted living facilities, and I actually have some personal connections with looking for assisted living and skilled nursing options. And staffing issues are actually now just, um, they're so common that caregivers just know that they're that the facility has staffing issues. So I'll talk to a caregiver and they'll say, listen, they're having a lot of staffing issues, so they're not able to implement A, B, C, and D. And I hear this all the time. It's just, it's rampant. And I guess it's gotten bad enough or it's just flagrant enough or chronic enough that the government is saying, okay, we need to throw some money at this. And we also need to have a little bit more consequence for Mm -hmm. understaffing. Uh, There's just, there's so much to unpack in this article. Well, it, I've worked in nursing homes, or I, I don't work in nursing homes, but through home care, I'll go into assisted living or, or independent living or anywhere in that range. And I can't tell you how many times the bedtime routine starts at 6.30 in the evening. And it's not because the adults want to go to bed. It's because there's one or two people to help 40 or 50 patients get ready for bed. Sometimes so earlier. Means, I know. Yeah. That's, it's, yeah. Where if there were 10 or 20 people helping, you could have everyone going to bed between 8 and 10 o'clock 
and it doesn't feel that weird. But when you're telling somebody who's in their 70s, hey, it is seven o'clock, time to get into your PJs. You know, that person's automatically not going to want to leave their room mm. just out of like self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's I talk also, about the, oh, go ahead. I was going to segue, so I want to hear your thoughts. My, we have was, little hand up buttons, guys. We're using Zencaster finally. We ooh. can use the raise a hand button. Let's yeah, act like we're Yeah, but then who's school. gonna call on us, Matt? Me, I'm the teacher. <laughs> um, but, the one part that I had kind of highlighted looking through this was the private equity part mm-hmm. of the headline, the subhead subheading um, says private equity slammed, and they made a point in this article talking about it that um, you know. I'll quote it. Private equity firms have been buying up struggling nursing homes and research shows that private equity owned nursing homes tend to have significantly worse outcomes for residents. And one of their examples, and I've heard this sort of thing before, but, and they, they linked to the study, but found that residents in a nursing home that was bought by a private equity were 11.1% more likely to have a preventable emergency department visit. 8.7% more likely to experience a preventable hospitalization. So this is the kind of stuff that I want. We all want anyone who is, like you said, driven by, had a loved one in, worked in, stepped foot in a nursing home. We know that there's drastic need for this. And I think the problem happens with that is that as you move administrators away from the facility, all of a sudden that finger on the pulse of what's happening in your building, the, the, the patients are no longer patients. They're, they're no longer people. It's data. Yeah, they're, they're just data points where, you know, if I can give uh, a small prop to the company I work for, and I won't say their name in case they don't want me to say anything, but like what I love is that each facility has a vice president that's kind of over it. And that person knows the names of the people on campus. So when you talk about somebody on campus, that person has worked in that building for such a while that they know their residents so that you avoid that patient becoming a data point. And I think that's where these equity firms, you know, it's a board that doesn't know anybody. Yep. Yeah, it's a big problem. But it sounds like there's some initiatives. The first one that caught my eye was increasing the CMS survey budget by 25%. I thought this one was interesting. From my understanding, a survey is their, I mean, they're going to be on their best behavior during a survey, correct? Or is a survey more so in response to a complaint? Um, Or maybe it's both? We get surveys all the time. And it's like a yearly, we enter, we are actually still in our survey window. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know from, from a school standpoint, I think we get the surveys like a CMS random sample, which is just like, I'll get a letter. Hey, mm-hmm. your random time is March 2nd at 7 a.m. Please tell me what you're doing. Do not include names, do this. And it's like, they're trying to see what we're doing at that time. I don't know what the purpose is for that, but I think that is along the same lines. Yeah, I've just have seen a lot. Marie, have you been surveyed in home health care? Not, well, no, not in home health. We've been under survey, but I've been surveyed in lots of other medical facilities. And I just, I mean, that's always the time. Most of the time it's just when you're on your best behavior, everything is cleaned and put away, but that's not really reflective of the day to day. And I don't know, 
I mean, maybe you're going to catch some of the worst offenders that way. Um, but I'm glad that they're also considering other types of interventions like increasing the penalties for survey dings so that it's maybe a little bit more incentivizing to be even, I don't know, somehow not showing on the survey the the processes that aren't working. Um, I just hope that this results in in significant change. I mean, at the minimum, they are going to establish minimum staffing requirements. So hopefully that improves some of the safety issues in skilled nursing. I'll just be interested to see whether or not that results in better staffing. I don't know. I, I, I think more surveys will be good because like, as you said, yeah, it'll catch the, the really bad eggs. But I think that if your facility or your home care agency consistently breaks the rules and then you say, hey, we're in the survey window, we better follow the rules, you're still going to have somebody that goofs up and they're going to get caught on the survey. Mm -hmm. I think that if you've got a good company or a good organization and they're like, hey, let's just make sure all of our T's are crossed and I's are dotted, it is survey window. Yeah, you're probably not going to catch if they forget to put down a barrier when they walk into a home. Yeah. Or did the did the therapist sit on a soft uh, chair instead of a hard chair? You're probably not going to catch that for a good therapy company, but a bad therapy company or a bad nursing home, you're going to notice people not washing their hands before and after leaving a patient's house or room. Mm -hmm. You're going to notice dirty or unkept clothing or reused masks or trainings that are out of out of date. So yeah. I'm all for it. I mean, I don't think once every, what is it? Once every two years you're in the survey window. Yeah. Possibly maybe more frequently if they increase yeah. the budget, maybe mm -hmm. more frequently. I'm just glad to see that they're going to include things like staffing adequacy, resident experience, and how well facilities retain staff as part of their outcome measures, which seems like a very important thing to be keeping track of. The, the staff retention absolutely is a huge one. Um, and I think the resident experience too, but because uh, staff retention to me is anywhere. That's a new question that I've started asking in interviews. Um, Ooh, good. That's a good one. Good. When I go that's places, very telling. just because I've interviewed for a lot of different jobs over the years with us moving around, but, um, but yeah, it's one that I've learned after the first few jobs to, to make sure I ask and you what can ask it in a polite way. It's not a like, how many of your people quit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is your, what's your attention here? How long's your longest employee been here? Mm. Um, that kind of thing. We want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Let us know your thoughts on changes to CMS. Our last segment of the show every week. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But when we look at Asha, we ask... What's up with Asha? <laughs> Thank you. What is up with Asha? And this week, oh, it is the Asha Foundation. Marie, you said you found this one. What is going on? And the deadline is soon, I believe, right? The deadline, you have a little time, which is nice. You can focus on Brain Injury Awareness Month in March. But on <laughs> April 8th, these awards are due. So there are two general awards and one award specifically for school-based SLPs. You can honor and recognize your colleagues who have made significant accomplishments and contributions to clinical practice and to the field in general. 
I love it. We need to get more people recognized uh, or nominate for these research grants or for these awards. Um, you know, we always ask, what do our dues pay for? And sometimes it's as simple as these are what our dues pay for. They recognize somebody. And I think if, if you have a coworker that you think deserves one of these, you can absolutely ask them like, hey, do you mind if I nominate you for this? If that's something that they would like. I know some people are like, no, please, no attention at all. That's not something that I want. But especially in our field, I think it's really important to show what we're doing. And I know personally, I, I can never be like, hey, can you? can you nominate me or anything like this? So like, I, I really think that it's important that we showcase the people that we have that are doing really great things for our fields and be sure to ask them if they would, wouldn't mind. But I think this is a great thing that we have. Mm. And if it's happening nationally, it's probably happening locally in your state. Probably state associations are accepting uh, nominations as well. I think so. Now, Rachel, you served on a state board. Well, not a board, but state association. Marie, you served on a state association? I currently do, yep. Oh, you currently do. And I'm previously in Ohio. And I can tell you, at least here in Ohio, a lot of times it was in the state. Here are three people that have been nominated for this award. Oh, and yeah. It's not that you, you don't like the three people that are nominated, but it's hard to pick who the best in the state is when you only have three or two or sometimes no nominations at all. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, Matt. That's why it's so important to recognize everyday leadership because people still deserve to be recognized even if they're not making the loudest splash or doing the most because everybody is doing their best and most SLPs are doing 110% every day. So it's important to recognize a variety of people. And I know sometimes in the settings that we're in, for example, so in a school, um, I know teachers or SLPs can be awarded teacher of the year, but does that happen? Not, very, 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 very rarely. So if we can nominate people in our state association or anything like that, I think that gives people much more of a chance to show what we're doing in our own field. Um, and I think we should be doing that more often. I got teacher of the year. Well, not teacher of the year, but I got a golden apple award in my district one year. Very cool. Matt's holding up his award. It's very cool. It is. And it's not gold though. I know my son asked that question when I got it. He's like, why is it not gold? But no, you're <laughs> right. We need to be nominating more of ourselves in the related services. I don't think and the clear like apple said, award. The, the every, that's true. The clear apple award might, doesn't have the same ring to it. The translucent but... <laughs> apple award. <laughs> Most likely to have a camera to allow transparency in their <laughs> There you go, Matt. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. But Marie said recognizing everyday leadership. I think sometimes mm -hmm. we, um, just like we forget that we're the expert in our given field, I think we forget to recognize some of those things that people are doing that are really great because we think, oh, it has to be something huge and grandiose. And um, sometimes the smaller stuff is what adds up the most. Mm. When I, I had to email my boss when I was applying for this ASHA, like ASHA leadership thing, because it says like your boss has to give permission that you can go to these things. Yeah. And like, like you said, Michelle, I was already prepared to like defend why this would be something good. And I was like, I'm willing to communicate. Like, let's talk on the phone and discuss this. And my boss wrote back and said, I think this is great. 
do it now. <laughs> I was nice. like, okay, I'll do that. Thank you. Go to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com and let us know if you have been nominated. Have you been awarded or are you nominating somebody uh, for either a local, state, or national uh, grant or an award? Now, let's look forward to the next week. What are you guys doing that is not therapy related? And I will go first. I am coaching in the districts on Friday, the 4th or 5th, whatever that day is. And other than that, uh, taking my kids out and about maybe bowling, maybe movie. I don't know yet. Uh, Sundays are me and the boy days. Rachel, what are you looking forward to this next week? So on Friday, I'm actually going to see my friend perform. She is in uh, Fort Lauderdale's choir, um, and they are doing a tribute Best of Broadway show at um, our big uh, venue over here. So I'm going to take my mom. We're going to go see that um, and then just relax this weekend and hopefully start watching Abbott Elementary. That would be nice. That would be awesome. Marie, what are you doing? Well, for myself, I'll be doing a lot of yoga because that monthly pass is ticking. <laughs> and then for my family, I will probably be spending some time with my husband. Hopefully we'll go on a few walks. He's trying to get 15,000 steps a day. So I'll help him out with that. That is a lot. And Michelle, what are you doing? Well, I'm super excited because my dad is flying in this weekend for a long Yay. weekend. Oh, fun. Yay. How's so. the chief? He's doing great. He's doing great. Matt says that because my dad's a retired um, Didn't you tell me that's what everyone Italian called chief. him? I mean, at the firehouse, that's what they oh, call him. Oh, okay. Well, then I won't call him. Was that Nobody because he was him. the chief? He was the battalion chief. Okay, in, got it. Um, in the city. So I just thought that was his a, nickname, so that's why I region. No, only in hey, the firehouse. Chief. Oh, well, then, no, <laughs> I don't have any permission to use that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, especially now, <laughs> since he's been retired for a decade. Mr. Wintering, like, you are an awesome person. Me that? <laughs> uh, but no, we're we're super excited. My three-year-old has been counting down the sleeps, as he calls it, uh, until until Grandpa Jim is here. Who, my my son's named after both of his grandfathers, first and middle name. So uh, oh, very he gets cool. excited about them. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Grandparent visits are the best visits. Our I agree with that. Music. There's something special <laughs> living far from. I'll just make a plug for grandparents. If you're a grandparent listening, or if you have grandparents, especially if they're geographically close to you, just they are complete gems, and it's such a blessing. Um, being far from family, I we I joke about this that kids, especially, they know a grandparent, even if it's not theirs. They know a grandparent, mm -hmm. and they point them out. If we have a friend whose grandparent is in town, my kids are like grandparents <laughs> like they go right Aww. to those people so there's just something special about about grandparents so be sure to you know check check in with your grandparents this week there's my plug there you go that's a good mm. plug my favorite thing about grandparents is that they will let you know via either like a mug or a sweater or something they'll make it known that they're grandparents so usually they're Perfect. easy to find this is I my grandpa's that. sweater that i'm wearing Aww. Your grandpa loves the show. Too, your grandpa loves our show, right? This, did, this right? is. Oh, he was your number one fan. He would, yes. he would sit by the podcast with like a yellow legal pad, writing notes to talk to me after. And oh my gosh, the biggest fan. Aww. Mm-hmm. They're special people. Mm-hmm. 
I hate to end the show, but we have to end the show. Our intro music tonight was Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music was County Fair Rock, copyright a John Deku. Uh, find his music at soundcloud.com slash music. The Informed SLP uh, had the music of At The Count by Broke for free, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. And the closing music playing now, it's a slow burn by Kevin McLeod, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Real quick, did you guys hear about the Disney artist that is like suing Disney or is like mad at Disney because they stole a Disney design and then uploaded yeah. it under a Creative Commons license? And then Disney didn't no. recognize them. Yep. Saw that I on TikTok. That. Saw it on TikTok. That is, that is why I always read those acknowledgments, just so if anyone has ever wondered. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow. The willow will bend in a storm and then return to its beautiful shape. An oak may look mighty, but will crack and become firewood in the uh for other immortal uh willows in marie rachel and michelle i'm matt until next long time so long everybody bye This episode of the Speech Science Podcast was brought to you by Presence Learning. When you're looking to change careers, are you ready to join the thousands of clinicians who have already turned to teletherapy to serve students while building a flexible career to meet their own needs? I have absolutely thought about changing my work setting um, over the last few years, especially. Um, I think it's a great thing to have those options available to you. So if you are considering that, you can join the Presence Learning Network and work with a community of speech language pathologists and a support team that cares about you and the children you serve. While doing so, you'll be working with bright, energetic people who are committed every day to opening up access to services for students and making a lasting impact in the world. Don't wait. Visit PresenceLearning.com and click on Apply as a Clinician at the top of the homepage. Speech Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.